you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. As the clock struck midnight on the 1st of September, 1939, the thunderous rumble of German tanks echoed through the Polish countryside. A wave of dread swept across Europe. Adolf Hitler, the enigmatic and fearsome leader of the Third Reich, had unsheathed the sword of war. The clouds of conflict that had been brewing ominously on the horizon for months had finally burst into a tempest, threatening to consume the entire world. In the face of this existential threat, democracies around the globe were grasping for a lifeline, a beacon of hope amidst the enveloping darkness. Two nations, Great Britain and the United States, held their breath, the burden of safeguarding freedom resting heavily on their shoulders. At the helm of these two bastions of democracy were two extraordinary men, who would rise to the challenge of their time, President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Both leaders, defined by their strength of character, indomitable spirit, and eloquent rhetoric, were soon to forge a visionary path in the face of the growing menace. The relentless march of the Axis powers reached a chilling peak with the fall of France in June 1940. It was a blow that reverberated around the globe, shaking the very foundations of the democratic world. As Europe fell under the shadow of the swastika, the two great leaders knew they had to act. This shared resolve led to one of the most influential meetings in modern history, one that would yield a profound document, the Atlantic Charter. This is the story of how a secret rendezvous, a series of heated debates, and the intertwining visions of two of the most influential statesmen of the 20th century culminated in the Atlantic Charter. A document that would become a beacon of hope in a world at war, influenced the unfolding of World War II, and leave an indelible mark on the post-war world order. It's a tale of vision, resolve, and leadership at a time when the future of freedom hung in the balance. I am your host, Steve Matthews. Join us today as we embark on another exciting adventure. Chapter 1. The Brewing Storm, Prelude to the Atlantic Charter Adolf Hitler's rise to power was like a storm tearing through the tranquility of Europe, a storm whose ominous clouds were growing darker and more threatening with each passing day. Born in the modest town of Braunau and then in Austria, Hitler had, over the years, transformed himself into a force to be reckoned with. His intense charisma and fiery speeches lit a flame in the hearts of a nation reeling from the blows of the First World War and the harsh penalties of the Treaty of Versailles. As he took the helm of Germany in 1933, Hitler sought to reshape the world order according to his vision. His audacious dreams of a thousand-year Reich in an Aryan super-race captured the imagination of millions of Germans. Rallying under the chilling symbol of the swastika, 
Hitler's followers admired his audacity and despised his enemies. In those years, Europe watched warily. The leaders of nations, sitting in their offices lined with maps and battle plans, grew more concerned each day. Telegrams zipped across countries, urgent meetings were convened, alliances reconsidered. The pulsating drumbeats of Hitler's aggressive campaigns echoed ominously, serving as a grim foreshadowing of the havoc that was about to be unleashed. Across the Atlantic, Franklin D. Roosevelt, the 32nd President of the United States, watched the developments in Europe with deepening concern. Known for his affable personality and pragmatic approach, Roosevelt was a veteran in the world of politics, leading a nation struggling to recover from the throes of the Great Depression. While the U.S. remained committed to its policy of isolationism, Roosevelt was well aware of the growing threat Hitler posed to the world order. He understood that should this storm fully engulf Europe, America could not hope to remain untouched. Across the ocean, Britain's new prime minister, Winston Churchill, shared Roosevelt's worries. A man of resolute determination and renowned for his oratory prowess, Churchill had long been a lone voice warning about the rising menace of Hitler. Taking charge in the grim days of 1940, he embodied Britain's spirit of defiance. Churchill's concerns weren't just about Britain, they extended to the very survival of democracy, freedom, and justice in the world. Together, Roosevelt and Churchill found themselves at the edge of a precipice, looking into an abyss. With the fall of France, the threat became palpable, forcing them to reckon with the storm that Hitler had become. The time had come to act, to plot a course through this tempest. The gears of history were in motion, leading to a clandestine meeting on the Atlantic, a meeting that would birth a charter and, perhaps, alter the course of the war. At the dawn of the 1940s, the air was thick with trepidation on both sides of the Atlantic. The pillars of democracy, the United States and Great Britain, found themselves staring into the storm brewing in Europe. Hitler's insatiable thirst for power loomed ominously, threatening to engulf their world order. These nations, although separated by vast oceans, shared the weight of an enormous responsibility. Their task was nothing short of preserving democracy and safeguarding their cherished principles from the tempest that was the Third Reich. In Washington, D.C., President Franklin D. Roosevelt grappled with a delicate balancing act. On one hand, he was acutely aware of the dangers the Nazi regime presented. On the other hand, he was leading a nation that was determined to stay out of foreign conflicts, still nursing the wounds from the devastation of the First World War. The United States had turned inward, focusing on healing and growth. This stance of isolationism was a dominant theme in American politics. Yet, Roosevelt knew that if Hitler remained unchecked, the storm would inevitably reach American shores. The question that nodded him was not if, but when, America would need to step into the fray. Across the ocean, in the United Kingdom, Winston Churchill faced a more immediate threat. The island nation, having survived the Great War, found itself once more at the brink of a devastating conflict. Churchill, a seasoned statesman known for his dogged resilience, was the torchbearer of British grit. With his indomitable spirit and rousing speeches, he sought to bolster his nation's resolve. He famously vowed, 
We shall fight on the beaches, we shall never surrender. But the echoes of his words barely masked the stark reality Britain stood alone against the Nazi war machine. While the leaders wrestled with the looming threat, everyday life in the United States and Great Britain was fraught with uncertainty. People huddled around radios, clinging to every news bulletin. Mothers tucked their children into bed, their lullabies filled with unspoken worries. Workers in factories and farmers in fields cast anxious glances at the sky, wondering when peace would become a luxury they couldn't afford. Despite their fears, they held on to hope, leaning on their shared democratic values. Meanwhile, the leaders knew that the survival of their democracies hinged on unity. With the impending crisis, it became increasingly clear that Roosevelt and Churchill would need to join forces, turning their shared democratic ideals into a formidable weapon against the Axis powers. As the storm clouds gathered over Europe, so too did the resolve of these leaders, setting the stage for an extraordinary alliance. The Atlantic Charter was just over the horizon. France, the vibrant nation known for its grand boulevards, artistic heritage, and revolutionary spirit, was in the grip of terror. On June 14, 1940, the unthinkable happened. Nazi troops paraded down the Champs-Élysées, and the swastika flew from the Eiffel Tower. The City of Lights had succumbed to darkness. In the spring of 1940, Germany launched a massive offensive, bypassing the heavily fortified Maginot Line. The French forces, caught off guard, were rapidly overwhelmed. Under the leadership of Marshal Philippe Pétain, a hero of the First World War, the French government chose to surrender rather than see their beloved country laid to waste. Pétain's decision was met with a mixture of relief and despair among the French populace. Relief that the bombings would stop, and despair at the ignominy of capitulation. News of the fall of France sent shockwaves across the globe. It was a punch in the gut for the democratic nations, shaking them out of their complacency. France, after all, had been one of the victors of the Great War, and its fall signaled that Hitler's ambitions knew no bounds. In the United Kingdom, Winston Churchill, just newly appointed as prime minister, received the news with a steely resolve. The nation had just lost its closest ally leaving Britain as the last bastion of resistance against the Nazi onslaught. Churchill, however, refused to be cowed. If we fail, he declared in a stirring speech to the House of Commons, then the whole world will sink into the abyss of a new dark age. His words rallied the nation, reinforcing their determination to stand against Hitler's tyranny. Across the Atlantic, the fall of France sent ripples through the United States shaking the American populace out of their sense of detached security. President Roosevelt, while still restrained by his nation's isolationist stance, knew that the time for passive observation was rapidly ending. Hitler's expansionist agenda was closing in, and the distant storm was now a looming tempest. The fall of France had pushed the world to the edge, and it was now clear that a strong counterforce was needed to prevent a complete Nazi domination. France's fall served as the spark that would bring Churchill and Roosevelt together. It was the grim reminder of the monumental task ahead and the unity it would require. 
Thus began the intricate dance of diplomacy and the careful weaving of an alliance that would culminate in the crafting of the Atlantic Charter, a beacon of hope in the dark days of the Second World War. Chapter 2 Crossing the Atlantic The Meeting of Giants As the summer of 1941 dawned, a sense of urgency pervaded the offices of the White House and 10 Downing Street. The catastrophic events in Europe underline the need for the leaders of the United States and Britain to join forces. The stage was set for a historic meeting, a rendezvous that would take place not in the grand halls of a palace or the austere surroundings of an office, but aboard a ship anchored off the coast of Newfoundland. This was to be the stage for one of the most consequential dialogues of the 20th century. President Roosevelt, aboard the USS Augusta, and Prime Minister Churchill, aboard the HMS Prince of Wales, met amidst the vastness of the Atlantic Ocean. The choice of venue was not just a logistical decision but a symbolic one. It underscored the magnitude of their task, just as the Atlantic separated the New World from the Old, so too did the chasm between peace and global conflict widen with each passing day. Roosevelt, wheelchair-bound but radiating an indomitable spirit, shared his vision for a post-war world. He spoke of freedom, democracy, and the right of all nations to self-determination. Churchill, with his trademark cigar and intense gaze, emphasized the urgent need to defeat the Axis powers. The two leaders, despite their different personalities, found common ground in their shared desire for peace and freedom. Away from the prying eyes of the world, the two leaders engaged in animated discussions, exploring strategies, debating ideas, and sharing concerns. The ship became a floating think tank, with intense discussions punctuated by lighter moments, as when the leaders attended a church service on the deck of the HMS Prince of Wales. This historic encounter allowed them to form a bond, bridging the gap between their nation's policies and laying the foundation for a unified front against the Axis powers. The culmination of this extraordinary meeting was a shared vision, a set of principles that would guide the nations in their fight against tyranny and serve as a blueprint for the post-war world. The Atlantic Charter, as it came to be known, was the product of this historic meeting. It was an embodiment of the resolve of Roosevelt and Churchill to stand against the forces of aggression and a testament to their shared commitment to peace, freedom, and democracy. On the shimmering waves of the Atlantic, two ships, the USS Augusta and HMS Prince of Wales, stood as titans of steel. These mighty vessels were not just tools of war but symbols of the nations they represented the United States and Great Britain. Here, on these floating citadels, a meeting of paramount significance took place. The USS Augusta, a heavy cruiser in the United States Navy, was an imposing sight. She had a distinctively sleek profile, accentuated by her 9-8-inch guns that pointed towards the sky. Inside, her metal corridors echoed with the hurried footsteps of Navy personnel, and her command room buzzed with constant activity. Yet, amidst the hustle and bustle, a serene atmosphere prevailed in President Roosevelt's quarters, where the fate of the free world was being contemplated. On the other hand, HMS Prince of Wales, a King George V-class battleship of the Royal Navy, boasted an impressive array of weaponry. Her formidable 14-inch guns stood as a reminder of British naval prowess.
Churchill's quarters on the ship were equally austere, reflecting his no-nonsense approach. Despite the ship's warready appearance, it was on this vessel, in a peaceful church service, that the unity between the two leaders truly solidified. The Prime Minister, a man who drew inspiration from history, found the symbolism fitting. The crews of both ships, drawn from the vast array of American and British society, were unaware of the significance of the events unfolding on their vessels. These men, who operated the radios, manned the guns, and steered the ships, contributed in their own way to the historic meeting. Unbeknownst to them, their everyday duties had become part of a much larger narrative. And so, amidst the rhythmic hum of engines and the crashing of waves, Roosevelt and Churchill deliberated. The discussions that echoed through the steel hulls of the Augusta and Prince of Wales were marked by urgency and shared resolve. From these deliberations emerged a document that would galvanize the world. The Atlantic Charter was taking shape, soon to be unveiled to the world as a beacon of hope in those dark times. The atmosphere aboard the USS Augusta and HMS Prince of Wales was charged with anticipation as the two leaders began their discussions. President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill, two very different personalities representing the two great pillars of democracy, were about to navigate a complex conversation. Their goal? To unite against the Axis powers and provide a framework for a post-war world. Roosevelt, the seasoned politician known for his charm and wit, made the opening gambit. He envisioned a world where nations were free from fear and want, where freedom of speech and worship was universal. He also stressed the principle of self-determination, believing that the people of every nation had the right to choose their own form of government and live freely. Churchill, the man of iron will, agreed wholeheartedly on the importance of protecting and promoting these four freedoms. However, he did express concerns over Roosevelt's insistence on self-determination. As a leader of a nation with an extensive empire, he was cautious about how this principle might affect Britain's colonies. But, the differences didn't cause a rift. Instead, they led to intense discussions, prompting the leaders to listen, reflect, and engage with each other's views. Their conversations, though sometimes challenging, were always underpinned by mutual respect and a shared desire for a just, free, and peaceful world. Beyond political differences, the two leaders found common ground in their love for naval traditions and history. Anecdotes were shared, stories about their nation's proud maritime past were told, and there was even a friendly exchange of naval hats. It was these lighter moments that humanized the high-stakes negotiations, helping to build a sense of camaraderie. As they navigated their differences and built on common ground, Roosevelt and Churchill were crafting more than just a policy document. They were laying the groundwork for an unprecedented alliance, one that would not only shape the outcome of World War II but also define the world order for decades to come. The Atlantic Charter, a beacon of hope amid the chaos of war, was taking form. Chapter 3 Creating the Charter, the Forge of Ideals After hours of in-depth discussions and brainstorming, Roosevelt and Churchill were ready to begin the process of creating the Atlantic Charter, a document that would encapsulate their shared vision and ideals for a post-war world. 
the drafting process was as nuanced and complex as the discussions that preceded it. But through it all, the two leaders remained focused on their common goal, a peaceful world founded on democratic values. In Roosevelt's quarters aboard the USS Augusta, the president sat at his desk, his eyes intently focused on a sheet of paper. It was here that the first draft of the charter began to take shape. Roosevelt's pen, gliding over the paper, etched out the fundamental principles that would underpin the document. Despite his paralysis, he was relentless in his efforts, his strength of will evident in each stroke of his pen. Over on the HMS Prince of Wales, Churchill too was deeply engrossed in his thoughts. In his signature style, he paced the length of his quarters, dictating his ideas to a diligent aide. Known for his command over language, Churchill's input was essential in shaping the phrasing of the charter. He poured his conviction into his words, infusing the document with his characteristic grit and resilience. As the drafting process continued, there were points of contention and spirited debates. One such point was the concept of self-determination. Churchill, conscious of the British Empire's vast holdings, feared that this could encourage the dissolution of the colonial system. However, through open dialogue and negotiation, the leaders were able to reconcile their differences. Through countless revisions and careful wording, the Atlantic Charter slowly took shape. The leaders and their aides worked tirelessly, refining the document until it was an embodiment of their shared hopes and aspirations. The charter consisted of eight key principles, all centered around peace, security, freedom, and justice. By August 14, 1941, the final draft was ready. The Atlantic Charter, a historic document that would shape the course of World War II and define the global landscape for years to come, had been born. The culmination of a historic meeting between President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill marked the beginning of a new chapter in world history. It was a testament to their collective vision, resilience, and an unwavering commitment to democratic principles. The Atlantic Charter was more than a mere document, it was a beacon of hope amidst the darkness of war. Its eight principles, each one carefully crafted, illuminated a path to a future founded on peace, freedom, and equality. The first principle of the Charter underlined the purpose of the Allies' fight against the Axis powers. It was not a quest for territorial expansion or imperialistic pursuits, but a fight against tyranny. Roosevelt and Churchill committed to seeking no aggrandizement, territorial or otherwise, thereby setting a noble tone for the rest of the principles. The second principle echoed Roosevelt's vision of self-determination. It affirmed the right of all people to choose their form of government and determine their way of life. Despite Churchill's initial reservations, this principle highlighted the essence of democratic values. The third principle set the stage for economic collaboration between nations. It emphasized the importance of equal access to trade and raw materials for all countries, a prerequisite for global economic recovery post-war. The fourth principle dealt with disarmament. It envisaged a world where nations would abandon their weapons, not out of fear or submission, but for the sake of peace and security. The fifth principle was a commitment to cooperation for improved labor standards, economic advancement, and social security 
illuminating the path towards a world where prosperity was shared by all. The sixth principle emphasized the need to rid the world of fear and want, two evils that had driven the world towards conflict. It was a call for collective effort to ensure that no nation or people would have to live in fear or deprivation. The seventh principle called for freedom of the seas. It affirmed the right of all nations to navigate and trade freely across the oceans, a principle rooted in centuries-old maritime traditions. Finally, the eighth principle was a promise to preserve peace. It pledged a commitment to establish a just and lasting peace system post-war, laying the foundation for what would later become the United Nations. Each principle of the Atlantic Charter was a beacon that guided the world through the storm of war towards a horizon of peace. They were born out of the collective vision of two leaders, Roosevelt and Churchill, who dared to dream of a better world, even in the face of unprecedented adversity. Through these eight points of light, the Atlantic Charter became a testament to the resilience of democratic ideals and the undying spirit of humanity. The Atlantic Charter, a seminal document embodying eight principles of peace and liberty, was a powerful testament to the visionary leadership of President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill. The profound influence of these two titans of the 20th century was evident in every word of the Charter. Roosevelt, despite his physical limitations due to polio, was an indomitable spirit. His energy and optimism were infectious, and they infused the Charter with a sense of possibility. His belief in the four freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear resonated throughout the document, encapsulating his vision of a world where liberty prevailed over tyranny. His ideas of self-determination, economic collaboration, and disarmament marked the Charter as a blueprint for a just, peaceful, and prosperous post-war world. Roosevelt's deep commitment to these principles helped shape not only the Atlantic Charter but also the global order that emerged in the aftermath of World War II. Churchill, on the other hand, was the epitome of resilience. Known for his defiance in the face of adversity, his unwavering resolve and ironclad will resonated within the lines of the Charter. His emphasis on the freedom of the seas and the commitment to a post-war peace system underscored his long-standing belief in maritime supremacy and diplomacy. Churchill's initial reservations about self-determination were overcome through productive dialogue, demonstrating his capacity for adaptability and pragmatism. His influence ensured that the Charter remained pragmatic, recognizing the geopolitical realities of the time while aspiring for a better future. The Atlantic Charter, bearing the indelible mark of these two giants, was an embodiment of their shared vision for a world free of tyranny and conflict. Their ideals, etched into the words of the Charter, resonated with millions across the globe, offering a glimmer of hope amidst the tumult of war. In translating their ideals into words, Roosevelt and Churchill had given the world more than a policy document, they had given it a beacon of hope and a roadmap to peace. In this episode, we spoke about the Atlantic Charter, the Brewing Storm, Prelude to the Atlantic Charter, Crossing the Atlantic, the Meeting of Giants, and Creating the Charter, the Forge of Ideals. I am your host, Steve Matthews. Join us in our next episode when we expand on our story and talk about impact and influence, the Atlantic Charter in the World War II Theater, 
the aftermath, from war to peace, and legacy of the Charter, echoes in modern times.